Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone, this is Lori Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food. And today we're talking about feelings. So (laughs) the front of the card is the goddess is standing, looks like a big wave is coming her way. She's standing in the water and a big wave looks like it's going to come right over her. And her little deer is standing next to her as well. But she doesn't look like she's that afraid. She's going to stand there and let these feelings wash. And the back of the card says, feelings are the emotions that come from the core of our being that are an essential part of knowing our needs and taking care of ourselves. Our feelings tell us when we are hurt, when we need to stop or set a boundary, what makes us happy and what feeds our soul. When we can learn to go beneath the body hatred and diet thoughts and experience our feelings fully, we can begin to take back our ability to live fully. So such a sweet card. And, you know, the name of the book and the name of the podcast is it's not about food, because what is it about? It's almost always about feelings. Almost always. I didn't have an eating disorder because I was really hungry. I had an eating disorder because I had no idea how to cope with the intense feelings that I felt. Well, or any feelings. I had one feeling that I felt okay with, and that was fine. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. (laughs) That was one I could have. Other than that, I just tried to run away from them as much as possible. So we're going to talk about feelings today and how can we have them and not overeat or not overspend or not overwork or not over fill in the blank or You know, how can we have our feelings and be okay with them and go through them so they don't come and bite us in the butt like in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner (laughs) or whatever when we're around our families at work or whatever. So we have a wonderful guest today, Linda, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, tell us what she's up to, what she does, and how she works with feelings for herself and for her clients. And we'll have a talk about feelings. So take it away, Linda. Thank you, Laura Lee. My name is Linda, and I am a mental health therapist. I am a certified eating disorder specialist, actually, too. I've been working with patients for 28 years, and probably, I'm going to say, at least 60% of my caseload is eating disorder. Wow, that is amazing. That's a lot. And you are in what town? In Fort Wayne, Indiana. It is a national pandemic, eating disorders and body hatred, isn't it? It certainly is. And it it makes me so sad. Uh, I was just watching this morning how Instagram is being examined and how much it absolutely supports negative body image for young women in particular. 
Yeah, they came out with that study about a month ago, and I was going to a uh, school with my peer educators, and uh, I said, did everybody hear that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these things are targeting young girls about their eating disorder? And they were like, yeah, we live that. (laughs) Of course we know that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it just takes the rest of us adults to catch up with what's been going on. Yeah, I wish, I really wish that something was being done about this because as soon as you discover one hot spot that is promoting negative body image and negative feelings, it opens up another one. As soon as they shut one down, they open up another one. It's a feeding frenzy. Yeah. So what is your practice like and how are you working in the world with this? And what's your kind of step-by-step on how to recover from an eating disorder or body hatred? Well, it's really a process. It just really is a long process. And trying to get people to trust the process, Laura Lee, is difficult because they've learned to use the eating disorder as a way to actually cope with their own feelings. Most of the times, especially anorexics, are are really trying to be void of feelings, scared to death of anger. However, that's probably the one thing I see them expressing the most is anger, but anger towards self. And it's just abusive behavior. And it just goes on and on. However, the biggest thing that I can do and say over and over again is committing to a solution and not doing more of the problem. Yeah. Committing to a solution doesn't make much money, does it? Being the problem and continuing to be the problem is where the money is. Because if we can convince people that they need our product and they need to buy our product so that they feel better about themselves, then we make money and hopefully they're going to be okay, <laughs> whoever well, this person right is. Well, about that because the diet industry, I forgot how many billions of dollars they're making yearly. As young as I've had mothers call me with young girls, four and five years old, afraid to wear a particular sandal because it makes their foot look fat. Oh my God. I know. That's the thing that I heard over this summer. Or they didn't want to wear shorts because their thighs touch. Now, these are five-year-olds. So I don't know where they're getting this information. It's everywhere. I mean, I remember talking to parents who were telling me, you know, we have never said a bad word about our daughter's body. I don't talk about my body in a negative way. We named her Athena. We tell her she can be anything that she wants to be, that she's beautiful inside and out. And we don't know why she has an eating disorder. I said, do you keep her in a bubble in her room or is she allowed to go out? She goes, yeah, I mean, they get it at school. They get it from TV. They get it from the movies. And we never even saw the social media coming when we first started. I'm sure you didn't either. And I had no idea, no earthly idea of what was going to happen, but they are big bucks off of it. And it made me so sad, especially at the expense. And I don't want to exclude the young men because I have men on my caseload too. But primarily, I see women just who absolutely deplore themselves. These are almost always achievers. I've always said, if I could take all the eating disorder folks that I have 
and give them back their freedom and their control, I think we would have had a cure for cancer already. Yes, of course. Yes, I, I know. Yes, literally, yeah. I mean this because they're very smart, intuitive, perceptive people. Nobody else except themselves. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like if we weren't, who is it that said, I think it was Naomi Wolf who said, if we weren't starving in the kitchen, we would be out marching in the streets. Amen. And Amen, you're right. Huh? Um, I, I love Naomi Wolf. She's one of my heroes. I love The Beauty Myth. That was an amazing book. I asked almost every one of my people that I serve to read it. Now, some will and some won't. And they get bored with all the research that she gives in her books. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that more and more men every year are presenting themselves with eating disorders. And I think two things. One, they are getting treatment, whereas I think they used to not get treatment. They didn't come out and say that they had an eating disorder. And we broadened the way that we talk about eating disorders are also binge eating disorders and also orthorexia. There's all kinds of different new kind of words for the same old eating disorder that we've all had all this time. <laughs> I just continue. I wish we were a country that really invested in research. However, we're not. And I've always said we're not a nation who loves the children or the women. Right. And you think about an eating disorder is a inside job with a lot of support, but it is an inside job and you're not going to get a pill for that. So why would somebody research it? Because they're not going to make any money on you once you recover. You're going to be in charge of your own food and in charge of your own life and living your best self and you're not going to worry about a magic potion or a new diet or some other kind of surgery. You're going to live in the body that you have and be happy with it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, nobody can make any money on you once you recover. And that circles back to feelings because what I see most of the time is that people with eating disorders are trying to avoid feeling. They will do everything. I have a client I'm thinking of right now that absolutely has understood that she was using her eating disorder to avoid feeling. Now she's taken to her bed and sleeping 12 and a half hours a day to avoid feelings because she's really doing a good job on not doing the eating disorder. Now she's gone into sleeping 12 and a half hours during the day because she does not want to feel her feelings. Yeah, whatever we can do to get away from those really big feelings. If I couldn't get my hands on alcohol or food or something, I would use fantasy. I would use a lot of different things in order to not feel, you know, go out with inappropriate people, just do whatever I needed to do to get away from me. Yeah, you're very right. I loved the card on feelings because when it talks about just allowing yourself to sit in the feeling, to observe it and not be afraid of it and letting that executive functioning part of your brain really do all the work because it has all the answers for us. Of course. And these feelings are there anyway. You're not going to feel something you can't handle. It's already all been there. That's exactly right. The truest statement I've heard in a couple of weeks, I'm going to say. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. 
It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Yeah, so I think that, and again, our culture and the cultures that we live in, not only here, but all over the world, we just don't know how to have feelings. We just don't want them. We don't like them. We don't want to do it. We just don't teach our kids how to have them, you know, teach your child how to sit with their feelings. That should just be basic parenting, but we don't have it. I didn't have it as a parent. And I think my son and daughter-in-law are so much better at that than I was. Still, everybody just needs to move on to whatever else is the next thing. And you said that correctly too, just move on. I remember once attending, now this was at least, I'm going to say 25 years ago, a conference. It was talking about children experiencing grief. And there were more than half the people there that indicated that children do not experience grief like adults. Oh my God. I'm serious. That was 25 years ago. And I just turned around in absolute disgust. And I said, how can you say that? Saying children don't experience pain like adults. The, The children don't experience pain like adults do. So I just think we are a country who just doesn't want to discuss or talk about feelings. No. And if our little kids were saying feeling stuff, then the parents would have to feel and the teachers would have to feel and the grown-ups would have to feel and they don't want to. They're busy and they have things to do. It would be systemic if that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> However, it's not. And that makes me sad. And, you know, little kids with grief, I mean, they feel it deeper because they don't have all this They don't have a job to go to. They can't drink coffee and smoke cigarettes (laughs) yet. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. I found it absurd that somebody would make that statement. Even 25 years ago, that may feel like a short time, but uh, 25 years ago, just sitting here, professionals state, oh, the children do not experience grief or pain the way adults do. I just was, I was shocked. Yeah. Well, I bet, unfortunately, we could find a workshop that is still saying that. Probably. So how do we get our clients? I feel like, how did I let myself have my feelings when I sort of got that I was eating over my feelings, not that I was eating because I was allergic to wheat. I was actually eating all the toast because... I was eating my feelings. So how do you get your clients from that place that they see that to go ahead and feel it? Maybe you have to have toast anyway and your feeling and then sooner or later you'll just have your feeling. Well, what I try to do for the most part is is I try to slow the person down just a little bit and I ask them to get an egg timer, set the egg timer and set it for at least 20 minutes and just sitting either in the feeling or observe it, write about it, talk into your phones because all the phones have microphones now. I try to get them to acknowledge the feeling and just whatever comes up, whatever bubbles up, let it bubble up. There's no right or wrong. But I try to get them in a type of form of distraction instead of going and doing the avoidance of food or the binging of food, 
or whatever their ritual is with food. I just try to set the egg timer and let's really sit in the feeling. I love that because that gives the person the beginning, the middle, and the end, that it's not just you're going to drown in this and then hopefully you'll make it through. No, there's a limit, you know, of I've told people that myself, just feel how frustrated you are for a few minutes and then you'll have another feeling. I swear to God, you'll have another feeling after that. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. And that's the thing. What they find out more than anything is that they have a myriad of feelings because it isn't just anger, maybe, that they have been feeling or frustration or irritability. It's a whole army of feelings. And the first time, almost, they're actually naming them. Yes, and contradicting. I had a client said, you know, I just hate my partner. But on the other hand, I just love everything about him. And, and how can that be? And I said, we get to have all of our feelings. It's okay. It is okay. It is. It's going back to just trusting that the self, I think. It's like what you read earlier. You know, the emotions are from the core of our being. And I think too often we negate that core. Absolutely. Or we just say, oh, I just made that up. I've had people say, well, I feel really sad, but I think I'm just making that up. (laughs) Like, well, who cares if you are? It's a feeling. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, Lorelia, the person I was just talking to in a session before you and I started, she goes, I have this feeling I'm just making all this up. Right. I know. It's, like, it's so like, well, uh, so what? I mean, yeah, it's all yeah. in you. I said to me, I'm hearing it for the first time. So let's go with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we negate ourselves so much because we should not have that feeling. I hear that all the time. Why should I feel this way? I have this, I have that, I have this. I have a good job and I have a nice husband and I have a nice house. Why am I feeling like this? I shouldn't feel these things. And it's who said this to you? Who said? I agree, Lorelei. I can't stand to hear minimization. And very often with eating disorders, they will minimize every bit of themselves. Yes. And they want to take action. I wanted to take action. So if I had a big feeling about something, a lot of times I needed to set a boundary and that was the action. I didn't want to set a boundary. I was afraid to set a boundary. So I just would not have the feeling. I knew that they went together. And practicing setting boundaries was one of a huge key in my own recovery and my own willingness to get well. But it took a long time because I didn't grow up with boundaries. I didn't know that I could set one. I didn't know that myself was myself. I thought it belonged to everyone. Yeah. That's probably a lot of it, too, is never being able to learn boundaries or set boundaries. I grew up, too, uh, never knowing boundaries, never. Not a thing. I had no jurisdiction over whatsoever. Exactly. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what I wanted. I needed to do this for this person, and that's the way it is. Yeah, and I tell people, and I learned this myself, is that I would find myself, say, compulsively overeating, 
and I would think, why am I being so weak-willed or why can't I stick with my food plan or whatever I would say to myself. And then I would remember, where did this come from? Oh, three days ago, I said I would do something that I don't want to do. So that's what I'm doing. And I would have to call that person. You know, I said I would bring a dozen cupcakes, but I'm actually not going to, but I'll buy them. And it's a lot of times too, we just can't set the boundary and say no. And there's so many different ways to say no. Right. Um, we just feel like we have to be this pleasing person. And I see a lot of that in eating disorders too, is that, that, that pleasing priority ID, that they're so fearful of rejection, they end up negating their boundaries just to please another person so they don't feel that rejection. Yes, and much rather feel put upon then that you have a right to say no. But again, that's how I grew up and that's how I think people are still growing up. Even this, <laughs> we're not learning that kids can say no and say, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so is there anything that you would like to talk about that you're doing right now? Well, all I'm doing right now, Laura Lee, is through telehealth. My husband has a health condition. I ended up with a health condition last fall. And so this COVID thing has just put such a damper on everything. So I am just doing telehealth sessions only. Almost all of my work is referral and people can contact me. I have an email address of a web page they can go to. We'll put that in your bio at the end of this podcast today. And it's amazing that all of us therapists, for years, I've thought, I wish I could speak to somebody in New York or something, but how would I get them? Or how would that be? We can't talk to them all over the phone all the time, you know, and then Zoom was here and we just used it and it just opened up so many doors. I really love seeing people in person, of course. But this is a good alternative. But you know what? I love what you're doing, Laura Lee, because you're so open and you make it easy for someone to talk to you. And you're doing such excellent work. I love your cards more than you could ever know. I am going to give to the people that I serve. And I've already shown uh, probably about six of them your cards. And oh my God, easy about them. Oh, thank you so much. So we're in the mutual admiration club. Thank you. So can you read the just for today at the bottom of the card? Absolutely. Today, I will practice letting myself feel whatever I feel. When I start to experience an emotion, I will see if I can bring my awareness to it and be present with it. I will not try to change it, but just observe it. I will try to stay connected with and conscious of myself and my feelings. Oh, so thankful that you have been on the show today. And I really appreciate it. And um, I'm waving at you to the middle of the country from this West Coast here. Thank you, Laura Lee. That's precious. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.